I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 85, which I am recording this part of it on Thursday, March 22nd, 2012. Um, but as you will be able to tell, a significant portion of this was actually recorded a few weeks ago. But first of all, before we get to that, thank you as always to all of my listeners. I really appreciate that you're out there listening. Um, and uh, especially to a few new listeners that I know have joined the fold. I really appreciate that you are coming on board too. Hope you stick around. I also have noticed that I've picked up a couple of new reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate that. All of us podcasters certainly do. So whenever you listen to a podcast you really like, why don't you go on over and leave them a review. It makes them feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So thanks also to that as well. Now, I've got a lot going on with this episode because we've got a little bit of catch-up to play today, uh, but I want to start out by getting right to the interview. I'm really, really excited about being able to share this with you. This was just one of those wonderful happenstance moments, but after that, and I'll tell you the backstory to that in a minute after the interview, uh, I will then do Sandy update and an important announcement, and then we'll do some listener comments, and we are going to end with a segment, not a continuing segment, only for this particular episode, that I've named Quilting is a Dangerous Sport, and I am ending it with that so that I'll give you fair warning when that's coming up. So anybody who gets a little bit queasy when they read about blood and things, um, they can just shut it off if they don't want to hear the end of it. So that'll be the very last thing we do. Uh, but that's had a lot of listener input for that one. So again, order of events, we're going to do the interview first, then Sandy update and important announcement, and then listener comments, and then quilting is a dangerous sport. So get ready. Okay, on the interview, this is the last the very last of my Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival episodes. Um, I've just been able to relive the memories every time I work on another podcast episode for these weeks after that event, and uh, this is the last one. I had the wonderful happenstance chance meeting with Tiffany Sherman, who is the brand spanking new owner of Quilter's Corner in Midlothian, Virginia. And uh, all, what happened was when my friend BFF, BQF, Kate, and I sat down for lunch uh, at one, I think actually the first day, first full day we were there, Thursday, and we were in one of the tables out in the main space there, um, you know, the lobby, I guess that would be called, lobby, and uh, we just asked a few women who were sitting at the table if they wouldn't mind if we just kind of took a couple of empty chairs at the table, and, and as quilters tend to do, we start kind of chatting with each other, you know, where are you from, etc., and found out that we were sitting with, as I said, the brand spanking new owner <laughs> of Quilters Corner, and when I mean brand spanking new, I mean brand spanking new. And uh, as we got talking and as we were just sort of, you know, listening to each other's stories and everything, I finally asked her if I could please interview her because I really found her a very interesting person and had a great story. And she was willing to let me do that, even though she was only there for that day. So I'm really pleased to be able to share with you my conversation with Tiffany. We um, found a quietish spot. You will be able to hear some of the background noise of where we were, but um, of the festival, that'll just make you feel like you were there with us. It does not, as far as I can tell, interfere with the actual sound of the conversation. So here is my conversation with Tiffany Sherman, in which we talk about her own adventures in quilting, how her professional and artistic backgrounds play into her current quilt making, and just how she did end up owning a quilt shop. So here we go. Why don't we go ahead and have you start by introducing yourself. Okay. I'm, my name is Tiffany Sherman. Um, I am an artist an art teacher, and now a quilt shop owner. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get from point A to point B, <laughs> from the artist to the quilt shop owner? It literally fell in my lap. Um, I was a member of the New York Modern Quilt Guild online and was um, checking their message, message boards to see if anybody was um, starting up a guild in the Richmond area. And they said, yes, as a matter of fact, we're going to be having a meeting next week at Quilter's Corner. And I thought, wow, there's a quilt shop 
in the area that I've never heard of and um, looked it up. And the first thing I saw on the main page was the shop was for sale. And I grabbed my girlfriend and I said, you know, I think we need to go take a trip and see what <laughs> this is all about. And um, immediately fell in love with it. And three months later, owned it. Wow. So you, you didn't go into it thinking, I'd like to own a quilt shop? No, not in the least. Wow. I was uh, getting my master's degree in art education thinking that my calling was going to be as a teacher. Um, although I have to say that uh, while I loved my classes, I kept wondering if this was really going to be mm. really if that was be what you thing. needed to be doing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. So um, when the quilt shop came along, it really... It just felt right, hmm. um, and uh, my husband, who is my silent partner, um, went along with it, so hmm. um, there I go. Wow. Well, we'll talk again about the quilt shop more in a minute. I want to go back to the, the art part of it. Um, what specific kind of art did, did you uh, focus on? Uh, my training and background is in ceramics. Okay. I uh, received a degree in women's studies and architectural ceramics from Tulane University. Hmm. and um, had been working as an architectural ceramist for about eight years. Okay, describe what, it, what is an architectural ceramist. Um, basically think large scale. Okay. Um, fireplace facades, uh, tabletops, flooring, um, handmade tile was a big part of it, mm -hmm. uh, large scale murals. Um, I would create each of my pieces as a whole and then cut it into tiles in order to fire it and hmm. then reassemble it in whatever um, strata I needed to, whether it be a wall or a floor or a countertop. Okay. So when you created your whole piece, is that then painting and glazing design that then you... Most of my work was done in the clay. Um, I like to work with my hands. Mm -hmm. I'm not a painter. So the glazes were very secondary to me, but okay. yes, the pieces were glazed afterwards. And color, um, color choices, patterns, textures were a big part of it. Hmm. So how do you find that, or have you found that yet, that that plays into then your eye for quilt design and creating quilts? I think it translates seamlessly. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, color texture, patterns um, are, are a vital part of both uh, art forms mm -hmm. and um, putting those together, being able to see images, um, having an eye for color and uh, using textures and shapes creatively, I think, mm -hmm. is something that, that people in the ceramic industry and in the fabric industry both use. Mm -hmm. Even beyond, you know, you and I talked a little bit over um, our lunch about mosaic quilts and things like that, but it's mm -hmm. it's even, I mean, it's more expansive than that, the, the relationship between. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. I, um, I am a self-taught quilter, so not knowing a tremendous amount about the, um, the traditional quilting or even the modern quilting. Um, just coming to it from a point of what I like and what I um, chose to experiment with. Mm -hmm. I also am struck by thinking that uh, mosaic art tile work, ceramic work, is also 3D in a different kind of way. It's like you said, you, you referenced earlier that you don't like doing 2D, 2D art, you know, the drawing and, the, and that Correct. kind of thing. This is very dimensional. and. Do you see that's also the case then with quilting? Absolutely, absolutely. Being able to shape something with my hands and not having um, necessarily a tool in between my hand and the medium. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I found out about myself very early on, mm -hmm. is that I really like to feel the um, objects that I'm using to create art with. Mm -hmm. It is very tactile in, in both cases. I, I've dabbled a little in pottery when I was a kid. My dad built a potter's wheel himself mm -hmm. with this yeah. big old cement thing that I couldn't work. Was, I was it too a kick little. wheel? It was a kick wheel. Yep. And he would get yep. it going for me, and then if I tried to stop it, I'd go flying. Exactly. <laughs> the exactly. But, you know, I, I did. I loved 
getting my hands messy. Yes. And I, I think you're right. Quilting kind of, you don't get as messy. Right. <laughs> normally. <laughs> Although there's that thread thing, but it's, it's that tactile nature. And we talk about petting fabrics. Yes. You know, you'd like to oh, hold absolutely. it in your hands. Absolutely. Mm. I think um, it's funny because coming um, into purchasing the quilt shop, there was an online shop associated with it, and I immediately took it down for several reasons, but one of them was that I felt like I myself and a lot of people that I know need to touch it mm -hmm. in order to experience it. You can't do that in an online shop. Mm -hmm. Now I've recently put it back up because I do recognize that not everybody can get to a quilt shop. Mm -hmm. It's not always convenient to, to drive out or to um, make the time. Right. So, um, but I do think the tactile nature of fabric is, is very appealing to mm -hmm. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing I'm wondering about is in, in mosaic work and tile work, did you look at like the grout lines, the seams as part of the overall design? And then I've been doing some study in Ruth McDowell. I don't know if you've come across Ruth McDowell yet. No. She's a quilt designer who does, um, pieced construction in which the seams are a part of the overall design. Yes. And that's a fascinating concept for me. Yes. So how do you think, of, you know, how do you look at that in your own quilting as well? Well, it, I, I actually, um, you were talking about the grout lines in the ceramics, and I actually did use that quite a bit to my advantage to create an illusion of more pieces than there actually were. Mm -hmm. um, we would, I, I would use false grout lines. In other words, I would, I would cut down into the clay hmm. deep enough to put grout into and um, therefore creating more of a mosaic look mm -hmm. than it looked like there was more effort put into the piece than actually there really was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we quilters do that all the time, the, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I think you do. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, just a basic... Uh, principle of these panels that we can use mm -hmm. or the the pieces that you know have the the blocks already laid out in the fabric mm -hmm. and then all we have to do is go and stitch Close through them. a very right. simple concept there um, but I do think um, like with the stained glass quilting um, I think that that's mm -hmm. another uh, translation from a different medium into quilting um, glass ceramics Mm -hmm. fabric it all um, it all relates hmm. so talk to us about owning the quilt shop I mean the shine's not even off you yet <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you I've learned so much um, I went into it never having owned retail never even thinking that I wanted to um, and jumping into a world that I really hadn't been a part of before um, I said before I quilted but it wasn't my life's work it was um, my life's work had been um, uh, the teaching and being a mother to two children and, and having a household um, and being the ceramic artist but um, the shop I knew was going to incorporate a large learning curve huge learning curve and it has um, I knew it was going to take up a tremendous amount of time, and it has done that and more. Mm -hmm. um, I live, sleep, eat, and breathe thinking about the shop. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because um, I'm an outside-the-box thinker, mm -hmm. and I'm also middle-brained. So I can take um, a common everyday experience and translate it into how I might be able to use it in the shop. Mm -hmm. um, which I find that I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. I um, have had some rough times, um, ups and downs, uh, but overall I truly love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, we recently had a shoplifter that I caught in the shop. Mm. Um, well, you don't think of that in the quilt world. Who would be a shoplifter? Well, but it happens. It does. Yeah. And um, I naively thought that if I were nice and generous and welcoming to people, genuinely welcoming to people in my shop, that they would not take advantage of me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I found that not to be the case. There are all different types of people out there. Mm -hmm. So that was that was a hard lesson, I think. That really kind of broke my heart. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm over it. I recognize that it's something that happens, mm. and it's something that will continue happening probably. Mm -hmm. So. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Right, right, <laughs> absolutely. Do you um, find, are you ex uh, looking at your class schedule and special events and those kinds of things? Are you working Constantly. on those kinds of things? Constantly. I think as an educator, um, right. it's, it's an intrinsic part of what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love learning, and I will always continue to learn, and I feel like... Um, I want to be able to offer that to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, we have events that we do. We do programs anywhere from a two-hour class to a 13-month uh, a Dear Jane mm. program that we're oh, running. Well, Dear Jane, you'd need, yeah. well, yes. <laughs> you'd need that kind of time, yeah. But yes, I, I try to fill all of the, the time that the shop is open with different programs, and if it's not, um, if the classroom isn't being used with a program, we have um, we have charity groups that use the classroom. Um, Hugs from Home is a group that comes in and creates quilts for uh, soldiers abroad. Mm. Um, we have a couple of clubs um, that come in and use the shop, and any time that there's not a class or a program in session, I tell people just bring your project, bring your sewing machine, come and use the cutting table, come and use the pressing board, and mm -hmm. spread yourself out, because I know it's difficult to find space sometimes right. to get those quilts put together. So Right. That'd be interesting. Here's something for you to think about. <laughs> I was just thinking, my need is always, I don't have enough design wall space. Mm -hmm. It would be cool to have a design wall that you could get up there and then stand far enough back from to actually see. We actually do have so. that. Oh, that would be nice. My quilt shop near me did not have that, and I've always kind of missed it. So yeah, We have one full wall that's devoted to um, a design wall. Oh, wonderful. And people use it all the time, all the time. Whether they're taking pictures of quilts they've finished or putting pieces up to try to arrange oh, into wonderful. A, a top. That's a good good thing there for that quilt shop then. All right, give your store's, your store's name, uh, address, your website, everything so that people can find you after they've listened to okay. this. Okay. Um, my store is Quilter's Corner. We are in Midlothian, Virginia, which is uh, just southwest of Richmond. Um, the address is 1257 Sycamore Square, Midlothian, Virginia, 23113. Um, you can find us on the web. Our website is quilterscornerva.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Um, I have a blog, and I do put out an email newsletter. So if you get onto the website, you can um, sign up for you the can sign up great. for the newsletter. Exactly, and I, I try not to bombard people, but we do like to let people know what's going on in the shop. Sometimes we have contests. Sometimes. It's just letting them know that an event's coming up, and I also um, try to let them them know about opportunities out in the community at large um, that they might be interested in. Say, for instance, a, a quilt a show, a Mid Atlantic Quilt a Festival, yes, maybe, <laughs> yes, or a contest being run by uh, a particular quilt sponsor. Right. So, okay, yeah. fantastic, and I'll I'll put all of that on the the show notes to this episode as well, and. Quilting for the Rest of Us also has a Facebook page, so we'll like you and you can like us back. Excellent. Um, <laughs> fantastic. So thank you so much for taking time out of your one day here thank at the you. festival to, to talk with us. This is great. I enjoyed meeting you over lunch, and I will be on your website. So. Thank you. It's <laughs> thank been my you pleasure, Sandy. Thank All you. Right. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for being willing to uh, sit and talk with me again, like I said, in the middle of your busy and short day there. And uh, I just wish I lived closer to Midlothian because I would love to go to your quilt shop. And in fact, I met a few folks later when I told them who I had interviewed and they were like, oh, we've been there. So I know there's a bunch of you out there who like Quilter's Corner. If you haven't been there in a while, I'd really encourage you to go back. Um, and I will post all of the contact information for it on the show notes to this episode. So thanks again, Tiffany. And I hope you get some business out of this podcast because I really enjoyed talking to you. Now, Sandy update. 
I think the first thing I need to announce, of course, is the winner of the drawing from my National Quilting Day giveaway. That was the giveaway that I posted off the blog through Seamed Up, and I am pleased to announce, drumroll please, you can all just drum on your laps, because if I do it here, it'll just really annoy you, so uh, go ahead. I'm waiting for you. Drum on your laps. Here we go. The winner is Sherry D. Woohoo! I am so excited. Sherry has been a long time, very consistent commenter, and she has been inspirational to me on her blog as well. So I'm really, really pleased that she has won this giveaway, and I've already been in touch with her, and she's already sent me her email address back. Or I'm sorry, not her email address. She has already sent me her um, mailing address back so that I can get that winning right out in the mail to her. And I am sorry, Jane, aka mom, apparently pleading did not work. It was not an effective method. Uh, so in any case, I really enjoyed reading everybody's comments. I really appreciated that everybody was willing to play along. Um, I do want to just make a quick note here. And I had posted something on Facebook, and I did notice a couple of people went back and kind of fixed their comments. Um, when you enter into giveaways on blogs, and there are a bunch of them out there, and a lot of people win, so I would really encourage you to do it. It's a bunch of fun. You need to make sure your email address is available. And what generally happens is when you leave a comment, your name shows up kind of highlighted on my comments. If I click through to that, that's where I would expect to find your email address. And in a lot of folks, it wasn't in there. Now, most of you were already my listeners, and I know and love you. So in many cases, I already had your email addresses, and I was able to dig through files to find them in case I was going to need them. But if you enter in other blog giveaways, you really can't be guaranteed that they would do that. So just for future reference, if you enter in a blog giveaway, you need to either make sure that your email address is in your prof profile or leave it directly in your comment. And a, a tip here as well. Um, I don't know, you know, if you're listening to this and you really don't know much about the web and how spam sometimes works, there's things called spiders that crawl through the web and get email addresses off of websites. And um, then you can get spammed that way. And so that's why a lot of people don't like to leave their email addresses in their comment. But what you can do is spell it out rather than using the symbols because the spider won't recognize that. So, for example, my email, sandyquilts at gmail.com, if I were to leave it directly in a comment... I would just write out Sandy Quilts space AT space Gmail space DOT space COM. In other words, the at actually using the two letters AT and instead of the symbol and dot spelling out dot instead of com. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can just throw in um, parentheses around certain symbols it, just to make sure that those spiders don't recognize it as an email address. That'll keep you from getting the spam. But in any case, you really need to make sure that the uh, blog or the blogger whose giveaway you're entering can actually find your email address. Uh, in this case, it really didn't matter because the random gener number generator I used just landed directly on Sherry, and Sherry's email address was readily available, so it just went straight through, so it was not a problem. Um, so that's just a tip for you in the future. I would hate to see you lose out on giveaways because the person can't get a hold of you. Um, so, again, congratulations, Sherry. And as always, I will expect to see pictures of whatever you make with the fabric that you're going to get. Um, in my other quilty life, <laughs> um, I posted, if you follow my blog, you would have seen yesterday's post, Wednesday. I always do Donation Quilt Wednesdays. And on this Wednesday, I um, posted, a, I embedded a link, or I'm sorry, I embedded the actual video from YouTube. And it's a Missouri Star Quilt Company, did I say that right? Missouri Star Quilt Company, I think that's right, YouTube uh, video. They do excellent, excellent tutorial videos all through YouTube. And there was one on, and I keep need, meaning to double check the actual title of this, and I keep forgetting. I believe it's the Self-Mitering Receiving Blanket, but I'll make sure, well, it's already in my blog, so you can go back to Wednesday and find it. Um, it really is a, a wonderful process. Now, in the video itself, she says it only takes 10 minutes. Note that the video itself is 12 minutes, and they skip a lot of parts. So clearly it's not a 10-minute project, but it's probably no more than about half an hour. The first one I made did take me closer to an hour, but that's because I had to keep kind of going back and double-checking the video on some things just to make sure I was doing it right. Um and it also took me a long time to cut because my cutting table is not set up well for doing a 40-inch piece. Uh, you have to have a 40-inch piece and a 30-inch piece. Those are the two pieces you use to sew together. But in any case, go watch the video. Um, so I made one on... When did I do that? 
Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, I think. I don't remember now when I did it. Sometime this week I made one and I had bought fabric for two, so I still have the, the fabric for the other and I intend to make one of the, a second one. Um, but then <laughs> I am going to, there's kind of the sequence of events that made me speed up this process. So one of the groups that I'm volunteering with on my sabbatical is a group of women from Burma who have said to us that one of the things they want to do on, during our Wednesday afternoon uh, club meetings, as we call them, they want to learn how to sew. They want to use how learn how to use sewing machines. So we're working on helping some of them buy their own sewing machines. And so we've been looking around for some inexpensive options and that kind of thing. But in any case, they want to learn how to use sewing machines. And so I, when I did this project, I thought this would be the perfect project to teach them because the sewing skills themselves are very, very simple. I am going to pre-cut all the pieces. And that's only because I don't want to have to deal with trying to have people cut them out with scissors versus then bringing rotary cutters and mats and all. I just want to simplify and actually just have them on the sewing machines. So um, because I wanted, we're going to do the sewing in a couple of weeks, I think is the, not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after, I think is when we're targeting doing that. So I had decided, okay, I'll go out and buy some more of the fabric because I got it on sale at, at Joann's and it is still on sale this week. So I thought, okay, I'll go buy the fabric this week. Then I joined another guild, <laughs> which was a blog entry tonight. So if you want to know about that whole sequence of events, just read my blog from Thursday, March 22nd. And uh, they are having a sew day tomorrow. So I want to bring um, projects that I can do easily without having to bring a whole lot of equipment with me. And I thought this is the perfect time. I will stand and cut as many 40 inch and 30 inch squares as I need to make these um, baby blankets. So I went to Joann's and bought a boatload of flannel, and it's all on sale, $2.79 a yard. Um, if you have a Joann's near you and you want to make some of these, $2.79 a yard, it is not bad. Now, the tip that I will give you, the first one that I made, I had pre-washed the flannels, but worried about shrinkage, et cetera, et cetera. So I decided to go ahead and pre-wash the flannels. Um, I, after making it, I then decided that may have been a mistake, so I am not pre-washing any of the other flannels because as soon as you pre-wash them, they lose all of that, um, the stiffness that they have when they're new, and it makes them much, much harder to work with. So I was having some problems with slippage and everything. This is a very forgiving kind of design, so that didn't end up being a huge issue, but just for the sake of the women who are trying to do this for the first time, I thought, I'm not going to bother pre-washing these. It is what it is. You know, we'll make them. Um, we'll sew them together and then they're, they'll take them home and they'll wash them. And the reason I also think receiving blankets are the perfect project for teaching uh, these women how to use their sewing machines is because several of them are pregnant, <laughs> first of all, and we're just babies right and left in the communities. It's wonderful because a lot of very young families uh, and it's, it's just been a lot of fun to, to see all these new babies coming into our world. Uh, and so receiving blankets is just a no-brainer. It'll be wonderful. So um, I've now got three hangers just packed with fabric um, that I've already pressed. And I've, I've just, it's, I haven't cut it down to size. That's what I'm going to work on tomorrow. So that's kind of what I've been spending most of my week on this week, uh, quilting-wise. Um, in terms of teaching women how to uh, use sewing machines, I had a fun surprise today. Thursdays, I go over to the Somali, uh, Somali Community Center for Somalians, um, and I volunteer in the morning teaching English, and then I stay with them for lunch. They, they're, the Somali Community Center is part of a neighborhood senior community center that does hot lunches every day for seniors. Um, and so they have worked out a deal with the Somali with the Somali Center through some grant money and stuff that the Somalis are also able to have share in that same hot lunch, and so I stay and have lunch with them on Thursdays as well, um, and then I I just pay for my own lunch, and uh, usually the sequence of events on on Thursdays is I teach English from about ten thirty ish till about noon ish, and then um, we go in and we do exercise for about 15-20 minutes and then after exercise then we go up and we have lunch and usually after lunch then I leave. Well today I had stayed because I wanted to talk to one of the leaders a little bit more about some things I'm working on for work and after we had finished then I 
go downstairs and I'm signing out because you have to sign in and out of this building and I'm signing out and one of the leaders comes running back down and says, oh, wait, 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 Sarah wanted to talk to you. Sarah wanted to talk to you. And I was like, okay, fine. So I went back upstairs and it turned out um, they, I had talked with them at one other time. They were working on getting some donated sewing machines and I said, oh, if you managed to do that, I'd be happy to, you know, work with helping to teach you sew too. Well, they had the sewing machines out today. So they, they had pulled them out. They had three machines. One woman had brought her own machine from home. Um, because she is a, a seamstress, she does a lot of sewing, and so she was going to teach the women as well. And then um, two other women had bought machines and donated them to the community center. All of those machines were from Somali women themselves. Um, and so I just helped them start learning. The The one woman who knew what she was doing uh, was working with another woman, was teaching her. And so for the other two machines, I just kind of went back and forth and was teaching them how to thread the machines and kind of getting them started on, on actually their, their first time of running fabric under a needle. And it was just a hoot. I had more fun. It was so much. I can't even get over it. It was so much fun. Now, mind you, I woke up in a really, really cranky mood this morning. I was just fit to be tied because I had gotten almost no sleep last night. It was just one of those nights where you just lay awake for no reason, can't sleep. And then I started kind of getting the sinus headache and then I started getting futzy because I was getting sinus headache the whole nine yards. So I'd finally gotten up in the middle of the night, cleaned the kitchen, did some reading, watched a little TV, probably finally got to sleep around 3.34 in the morning. And then of course I had to you know be up and kind of moving around at 7, 7.30. So I was cranky and I was thinking, okay, well, I'll go do the volunteer thing. I know I always enjoy that, but I'm not sure I'll stay for lunch. You know, I'm just really, really worn out. Well, once I got there, this class, I've, I've blogged about it. I've talked about it before. I love this class. They, they are just so anxious to learn. I can't teach them fast enough. You know, that's really what it kind of comes down to. And um, we often end up in conversations that I hasn't, you know, I might have in my head sort of what we're going to learn that morning, but then I get there and they're starting to ask other questions and kind of on the fly having to change things up and writing them on the whiteboard. And um, some of them are teaching me Somali words for things, and it's just fun to, to entertain them by me trying to pronounce their language, <laughs> just like they're trying to pronounce mine. You know, it's fair trade there. Um, so anyway, by, by the end of the day, I came home. I was just on such a high. It was really what I needed today. It was so much fun. Um, so I'd really encourage any of you, if you're looking for some way to kind of get a fix on something, go teach folks some English or go do some liter literacy education or something. There's really nothing so rewarding as teaching people who really, really, really want to learn. That's okay. I'll get off my soapbox now, but that was just a wonderful experience for me. Uh, so I had a great time today. Um, which really did put me in the mood then to say, okay, yes, I am going to stop at Joanne's. I'm going to buy all that fabric and, and get that all ready to go for some donation quilts so that I can teach more women how to sew. Um, cause we're all about sewing evangelism, I guess. <laughs> um, in terms of my other quilty life, I am still poking away at a UFO on my pinwheel quilt. Um, I think I posted a picture of that eons ago. I've been working on this thing since last May, I think probably. And it just kind of keeps getting set aside. There's there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing hard about it. There's nothing that stopped me. I just keep putting it off to finish other projects. And I really just want to get it done. So I'm I'm not going to bring anything to the sew day tomorrow that I would do any machine quilting on because I don't like trying to do that in a different setup. I prefer doing that at home. But I do have to mark the border and I need to figure out how I'm going to mark the border to do what I want to do. So um I might bring that with me because that, that's a space where I can kind of spread out a little bit and actually have elbow room, that kind of thing. So that might come with me tomorrow to at least mark the border. And once I get that border marked, then it won't take me long at all to quilt it because I know what I have to do. It's just a matter of drawing it out um, and then just get the binding on it and it will finally be done. So I would really like to make some progress on that. Um, so anyway, tomorrow, like I said, I will get to be at a sew day tomorrow and maybe also Saturday. They, they're they doing their sew day both days. I'm just not sure if I'll do both days. I may just do Saturday morning. My husband's been out of town a lot lately. He was out of town a significant portion of this week. He will be out of town all week next week. So um, I'm thinking Saturday we're going to probably want to actually spend some time together. <laughs> so I may not spend the whole day um, at the sew day. I believe I heard him say something about the Hunger Games movie. Boy, I hope that's not disappointing. Loved those books. Um, okay, so that's the Sandy update. I do have um, a couple of things. First, I have a question for you. I need to hear from you. Some of you who are in Big Tent may be aware that some of these conversations have been happening. 
Uh, we have started really assessing, is Big Tent doing what we need it to do for the QuiltCast supergroup? And the QuiltCast supergroup is a lot of us quilt podcasters are active in the QuiltCast supergroup. And many of us have, well, right now, everybody's got their own subgroups, whether or not they're actually using them is another matter, but everybody's got them. And so the original intent two years ago when that got launched was that it would be one-stop shopping. So you could come in um, as a listener to a podcast and find out all the other podcasts that are out there. Plus we could just have conversations back and forth. And, and um, I use my subgroup, as you know, to get input for future episodes and that kind of thing. And, and I will give credit where credit is due. Um, I think it's largely because of the community that we built in Big Tent that we have had things happen like the Meet at the Waterfall and our various sewing days and that kind of thing because as a podcaster, it helped me know who the other podcasters were and build relationships with them and become friends with them and have those connections. Plus, we have this community of listeners that it's kind of fun to know that a lot of you listen to all of us. So I will hear another podcaster say, oh, and so-and-so comment. I'm like, oh, I know that person. You know, they comment on mine. So it's created a community that I don't think would have existed had we not had that at the beginning. Um, however, that being said, to be fair, Big Tent really is set up for organizations such as PTAs and not-for-profit groups and scout groups and everything. That's what it's set up to do. That's not who we are. And so there are some folks who are getting a little frustrated with some of the things that Big Tent doesn't offer that they would like to have offered. Um, and I will say Big Tent can be a little bit... Um, it's not intuitive to start. You you kind of have to learn how to do some things. And I will take responsibility as a podcaster that I've not done a particularly good job at teaching the my listeners, the people in, in my subgroup, et cetera, really how to use Big Tent and how to make it work for you. I come from the perspective of I also use Big Tent for work. And I specifically started using Big Tent for work after I was exposed to it through the QuiltCast Supergroup. Because for my national organization, it really is a wonderful way for us to do work together. Um, we are we have a national board of volunteers from all across the country and Puerto Rico. And we only meet together face-to-face. -face. In one group, we only meet together once a year. And there's another subset that meets together twice a year. And then we have um, teams and subgroups and ad hoc committees and all this kind of stuff that are supposed to be working through the year. And really the best way for them to do that is through a vehicle like Big Tent. So Big Tent works very well in that setting. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be working as well for a lot of the other podcasters and listeners. So what we're starting to do is say, what do we want to do next? So I am asking the question of all of you, and I have created a survey using SurveyMonkey, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes to this episode I would really, really, really appreciate it if as many of you as possible could respond to that survey to let me know what it is you want to do. Because obviously one of my issues is the more groups and the more social networking I'm trying to keep track of, the less time I'm spending quilting. <laughs> so for me, I would love to be able to consolidate a little bit more um, and do things that will take me a little less time. For me, actually, Big Tent works well in that respect because I can set up... Um, things to get direct emails when I get messages. Facebook used to do that. It doesn't do it anymore, and it drives me nuts. So I have to specifically remember all the time to go back to the Facebook page and check it. Um, on the other hand, a lot of people are on Facebook, so it's a great way to meet a lot of listeners who are already there. Seamed Up just launched a groups feature. I did put a group for Quilting for the Rest of Us on Seamed Up. I would love, those of you who are on Seamed Up, please go find it, join the group. I basically want to work with it for a little while and see what that has to offer as opposed to Big Tent. I don't know that long term I can keep them both going. So I need to know what you want me to do, where you choose to spend your time, where it makes the most sense for you to be able to interact with me as a podcast um, provider. <laughs> It makes me sound like I'm a medical professional. As a podcast provider, um, how would you like to best interact with me? So in any case, um, like I said, I've put together a survey monkey, a short survey. Um, it's just got some yes, no questions to start. And in each yes, no question, there's a comments box. And, and what I'm asking for in that comments box is if, for example, one of the questions is, have you joined the Quiltcast Supergroup? 
Um, if you say yes or no, then I want to know why yes or no. You know, if you haven't joined it, why not? If you have joined it, what do you think about it? Um, and then the next question is something like, have you joined the, if you've joined the Quiltcast supergroup, have you then also joined the Quilting for the Rest of a subgroup? Comments, that would be another why or why not? You know, if you haven't joined it, why not? You can be honest with me my feelings won't get hurt. So anyway, that's kind of the way it goes. And then the very last question, I think, is just basically an essay question. It's sort of saying, tell me what you think we should do um, as the Quilting for the Rest of Us community. So I really, really, really want to get your input. So please go to the show notes to this episode, click on that link. Um, it's a surveymonkey.com link with a string of letters that make no sense whatsoever, but that will get you to the actual survey. Um, I would like to have responses. Let's see, I'm posting this on March 22nd. Let's say by March 31st. If you could give me input by March 31st. Um, I, I actually did seriously consider attaching this to a giveaway that anybody who entered the, um, or who responded to the survey would get the giveaway. Unfortunately, I've got a lot of other giveaways going on right now, so I'm just going to have to ask you to do it out of the goodness of your heart. So again, that's um, a survey about how we interact together as a podcast community. So I really look forward to getting your input on that. Um, the other big announcement, and I've already been talking about this, but it's getting a lot more solidified. Yay. So my two-year podcast anniversary is next week, March 28th. Who'd have thunk it? Um, I am declaring April as the celebration of podcasts. So I am using my two-year podcast anniversary as an opportunity to celebrate all quilt podcasts out there. And you will find out more about how that's going to work with some giveaways, etc. Plus, I am going to be doing a giveaway off my blog every week of a various kind. And I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to announce that I have um, gotten Orophil as a sponsor, Orophil Thread. As you know, I am an Orophil girls, and I told them that. So they are going to be sponsoring a giveaway. And the other sponsor that I am really thrilled to also be announcing is Fat Quarter Shop. So there's going to be some great stuff going on. Plus, I'm going to be doing um, a giveaway of a lot of books out of my quilt library. Not brand new, but in excellent condition and relatively recent. So there's going to be a chance to get all sorts of wonderful stuff in the month of April. So please join the party, spread the word. If you do um, guild newsletters, etc., make sure people know that this is going to be a great opportunity for them to just win some good, good stuff. Uh, so watch my blog. That'll all be running through the blog. I can't do stuff like that through my podcast show notes just because it really messes, uh, in my opinion, I think it messes things up. I prefer to keep them distinct and separate. So watch the quilting for the rest of us blogspot.com blog for that. I think those are all my announcements. Do remember that we do still have the other giveaway going from um, Karen Lee Carter's episode, which was the last episode I posted. Uh, we've got a giveaway that includes some wonderful hand-dyed embellishments and a pattern from her, and that one is going till the end of the month as well. So make sure you go back and check the show notes for that episode, the last episode, 84 this is episode 85, I believe I said. Um, if you check that, then you will find out information about how to enter into that giveaway too. Just all sorts of good stuff flowing from my house to yours. Okay, listener comments. Remember I said I was going to do listener comments next, and then I'm going to do the um, the uh, quilting <laughs> is a dangerous sport, because some of you are just going to get a little creeped out. Okay, um, I just want to say I'm not going to spend a ton of time reading listener comments, because I've got a lot of them, so I want to say um, thank you so much to Connie, Amy, Jackie, Di, Lynn, Katie, um, Katie Ringo, Jennifer, uh, that's Connie again, Tori, Ethel, Colleen, Landscape Ladies, Sandy of Quilt Cabana, another great ep uh, podcast if you're not listening to it, Jay, our quilt maker, Margaret, Nancy, Catskill Quilter, I'm going to probably repeat some names here, Jennifer, um, Merimo, Meredith, Susan, Knox Blocks, Margaret, Maureen, um, Eileen, Teresa, Very Lazy Daisy, another podcaster. Make sure you're listening to her too. Maureen Kelly the Fifth. So thank you to all of you. Um, I am not reading off the names of the folks who entered in the giveaway because that would be a lot as well. I did want to lift up a couple. Um, Connie had posted a comment on my donation quilt Wednesday, just yesterday. Um, 
I, I wanted to make sure that I read for you, again, from a recipient, somebody who loves donation quilts. Um, Connie says, I have a grandson who suffers from seizures, and there are a group of local ladies who make quilts to cover and comfort them during their ambulance ride to the hospital. Although he had outgrown the seizures, God willing, he still loves his quilts, thanks to people like you. Um, which she's directing at me, but I'm directing it back to all of you because I know there are a ton of you out there that do donation quilts, so do know that those are very, very much appreciated. Um, let's see. Oh, my sister Diane was the one that pointed out, by the way, when she says it's only 10 minutes, the video is longer than 10 minutes itself. <laughs> and she also, my sister does work at Joanne's, so she recognized the snuggle prints. And I will say, uh, yeah, they are still on sale, people. So make sure you hire yourself to your local uh, Joanne's and pick up some flannel because this is a perfect, perfect project for that. Um, Jennifer said she hasn't made that particular style of receiving blankets, but she has made preemie blankets for a local hospital, and those really do take about 10 minutes. She says it's an 18-inch square of cotton and an 18-inch square of flannel. Sew them right sides together and flip. They can go on top of the bassinets, then home with the new parents. So that one is not only very fast, but it also would use up fabric from your stash because one of the things I was thinking with the receiving blankets is I don't normally have flannel in my stash so I'm having to buy fabric to make these uh, so it's not really a good stash reduction technique either but the the preemie blankets would be a good way to use some of my own cotton uh, so if any of you are looking for stash reduction ones you might want to double check that and again if you just go back to my Wednesday post donation quilt Wednesday receiving blankets from this week and look at Jennifer's comments she left the instructions in that comment that I just read for you Okay, and a lot of people commented on my food post from last week with the very varieties of homemade pizzas that we make here in our house. I do have to say I may not get a food post out tomorrow, one, because I'm going to be gone all day and I would have to do it tonight and I'm podcasting tonight, but also I just haven't been cooking that much this week. When, when I'm home alone, I, you know, don't cook a whole lot, so I haven't been as inspired for Food Friday, but don't worry, they'll, they'll be coming back. If I miss a week, that's just because stuff's been going on or whatever, and I will come back to them eventually. However, Susan, I'm just sending you a reminder that you promised me a blog post about French bread. So <laughs> I'm, I'm anxious for reading that. So thank you everybody for your comments. I really appreciate them. Kelly the Fifth did comment specifically on episode 82 in which we talk about repetition with Jay. Um, and she said it made her stretch her neurons. Um, and she really was interested in the fact that the pictures on Jay's blog weren't just of quilts, but they were of things in or around her life. And that's a good way sometimes to look at quilts just a little bit differently. I have been getting some comments on Karen Carter's episode, but I want to hold off on those until I actually do the drawing for her um, giveaway. But thank you to those of you who have been commenting on that episode. And for the rest of you, don't forget to do it because, again, you get a giveaway. Um, so thank you so much for all the listener comments. Uh, that's um, all I'm going to do on those. And so the, the very next thing is quilting is a dangerous sport. But let me give you all my contact information we, before we get to that. So in case you do want to turn off your, your iPod or however you're listening to this, you don't miss how you can be in touch with me. Uh, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. And that's pretty much my screen name everywhere else, seamed up, um, Pinterest, Twitter, etc., etc. Uh, you can join our Flickr group, Quilting for the Rest of Us Plus. We have a Flickr group for donation quilts. You can find me on Seamed Up, and now you can join our Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Seamed Up. And I also did start a donation quilt group on Seamed Up as well, so you can join that one too. Um, you can join our Kiva team. You can find me on Goodreads and any number of things that I'm forgetting right now. I'm sorry, I don't have my little list in front of me. But you can find links for all of that and more at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, until after quilting is a dangerous sport, go get your quilty on. Now, for those of you who are of hardier stuff. Here we go. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I posted both in Big Tent and Facebook asking for you to tell me your quilting injuries. And this actually came about after a Twitter conversation. <laughs> I don't even remember how the whole thing, you know, you're tweeting late at night. Stuff happens. <laughs> Sometimes it's not pretty. And this is what resulted. So I posted the question, tell me about your, your quilting injury, injuries. 
And so let's start out with an email I got from Debbie, um, who, by the way, I'm going to take the liberty. I hope, Debbie, this is okay. This was in an email. Normally, um, unless it's specifically related to an episode, I don't share exactly what people say in emails. But this was a great, great story. Deb is an expat. She's an American expat living in South Korea. And she says, um, until just a couple of weeks ago, when I finally found an English-speaking quilt guild, I had been sorely missing my quilting friends from back home. Uh, she used to put my show on and listen to me chat away while she sewed, and she pretends she was back home listening to an old friend talk about quilting while we sewed together. And that's that just warms my cockles, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so glad I could keep you company so far away from home. Anyway, back to what she said. Um, she says, funny story. I am taking Korean lessons. One day I missed my class because I had gone to a different city to a discount quilt fabric store and got caught in bad traffic. The next time I went to class, the teacher asked why I had missed class. I explained in my faltering Korean what had happened. That's when I discovered my Korean teacher was a quilter too. She then wrote a Korean word, word on the board and asked me if I knew what the word was. It was addict. <laughs> Quilters are the same all over the world, she says. <laughs> that is a wonderful story, Deborah. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Okay, and then she goes on to say she told me her quilting injury. I did sew my finger on the sewing machine. What I learned the hard way is that it is very important to not panic and just try to pull your finger away. You must first lift the presser foot and then pull your finger down before pulling back. A couple of days ago, I skewered myself while delinting my machine. This time I managed to stay calm and pull down before pulling back. Of course, the pain is always secondary to the question of what impact an injury will have on our ability to keep quilting. <laughs> So thank you so much for that, Debbie. Okay, some stories from Facebook. Katie Ringo said, while finishing a large name applique on a 20-inch block, I was fixing a misspelling on a twin-size quilt top. I sewed right through my middle finger, quickly pushed away from the machine, and ran to the bathroom gushing blood. It took a while for the be bleeding to stop. I checked my needle to make sure it hadn't broken off in the finger, and it was fine. also checked the quilt top to make sure I didn't get blood on that. I kept finding splashes of blood in my sewing room on the floor and stuff for days after. Also sliced off some skin with a rotary cutter, and I've cut a pea-sized skin of my finger with scissors, accidentally not realizing it was in the line of fire. So I'm pretty impressed that you have any fingers left. Let's, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Um, Susan, history quilter Susan, said, I was cutting fabric at my kitchen table without a vent when suddenly I dropped the rotary cutter on my foot. Didn't hurt, but when I reached down to pick up my cutter, I noticed a large red stain growing on the top of my sock. Yes, I was wearing socks. The rotary cutter had dropped straight down and cut directly into one of my toes. Lesson learned, cut with shoes on. Um, Sandy of Quilt Cabana. I think Sandy was actually the one that got this whole thing started on Twitter, by the way, so you can blame her. <laughs> Send her a comment. <laughs> But anyway, she said, um, you know mine, near miss of broken off plastic from the spool hitting me right beneath the eye. And so we all talked about the importance of wearing safety glasses when you're sewing. Zena said, while pin basting a quilt, I caught my pinky toe on the edge of the carpet I had rolled up and shoved out of the way, spraining it. It wasn't long before one half of my foot was as colorful as my quilt. Ouch. Okay, from Big Tent, Patched Pastor said, I never actually sewed over his whiskers, but my dear cat Buster would get his face so close to the needle that I often worried that I would. He was fascinated by the motion of the machine. Maybe he thought it was purring, or maybe he was just nosy. What ultimately saved him from disaster was that he would sit on any quilt I placed near him. Whether or not it was finished didn't matter, as long as there weren't pins sticking in him. I could put a folded quilt on the corner of the table opposite from the machine, and he would curl up there, happy that he was in the middle of things, but far enough away that he did not become fiber art himself. So thank you. Yeah, some of the pictures I've seen of cats around sewing machines do make me a little nervous. Uh, so Excited Quilts said, Ouch! I have had the typical needle in my finger when I was very young and until recently injury-free. Rotary cutter, no retractable blade. Wrong ruler, cheap one, too narrow. No glove, dull blade, bad combination. Really bad. I was pressing hard on the blade to get it to cut, warning sign, and it skipped over the ruler and into the end of my index finger. Why is it the blade would slice through my finger but not fabric? I instinctively grabbed the end of my finger and planned a course of action. Do you know how hard it is to get out of PJs and into clothes while one hand is tightly gripping the other to keep blood at bay? <laughs> one, I don't like blood. Two, I wanted to keep the end of my finger where it belonged. I was by myself and called my husband and asked him to meet me at the ER. He suggested I go in my PJs, silly man. I can't leave the house without I can leave the house without makeup, but not without clothes. I did manage to get dressed, I'm sure it was comical if someone had watched me, and drive myself to the ER where they stitched my finger back in place. 
The first thing I did when I got home was to check the fabric I was working on. No blood. I was ecstatic. Quite a mess around the fabric, rug, etc., but the fabric was okay. Got to keep your priorities straight. Right. What I learned, I should wear my glove. Do I? Well, that's another story. Let's just say I try. I really try. Maybe writing this will help me try harder. Jackie. Uh, that Great, great story, Jackie. I really appreciate it. And I love the fact that as quilters, the first thing we always worry about is did we get quilt uh, blood on the fabric? Um, scientific quilter is one of the ones who has probably already turned this off by now. She just said she gets queasy at the mention of injuries, but she says she has had no quilting injuries herself, except the day I fell down the stairs minutes before I was sewing before work, which is something I rarely do. Um, Jay also said she didn't want any horrific stories, so she's probably also turned it off. Um, on the other hand, there's very lazy Daisy who lives for stories like this, as she says. So she is just eating this stuff up. Um, very Lazy Daisy says, my best personal injury stories have nothing to do with sewing. I've been very lucky so far. Nothing worse than pushing too hard and shoving, nothing worse than pushing too hard and shoving the eye end. Yes, the eye end of the needle into my finger. That's how hard I was pushing. I was beating through several layers of thick velvet on a Renaissance court gown. By the way, if you are on Seamed Up, you got to go check out Daisy's um, photo gallery because she has posted uh, the, the photos that, of the Renaissance and um, gowns, the fantasy gowns that she used to make before she became a quilter. Um, I don't know. Do you still make them, Daisy? Do you quilt in those gowns? Is that how you're standing at your cutting table? I wonder. That's kind of a neat image. I like to think of you that way, so I will. Um, anyway, so Daisy continues. However, I do have a story of my daughter ending up in the ER due to sewing. She was sitting on her bedroom floor, hand-piecing some patchwork. She set the needle into the carpet while she arranged her next pieces and then put her foot down onto the needle. She was just adjusting her sitting position and had forgotten where she put that needle. It went into her foot on the side near the heel. She hobbled into the living room with a horrified, ashen look on her face and said in a rushed voice, I have a needle inside me! my foot. I had to have her repeat herself, poor girl. Her dad carried her to the car, scraping her arm on the door jamb. It was a sitcom moment, so ridiculous. The doctor at the ER numbed her foot, assuring her it would be fine, even though she was pretty worried by now. He pulled it out, and it had broken before going in, so it wasn't a long needle, just about half the length of a size nine between. She hasn't had much interest in sewing since then. I wonder why. Uh, which makes me sad, because she had completed a couple small quilts before that. I still remember the little sick feeling I had in my stomach to look at that bright yellow thread hanging out of her foot. We could not see the needle, only the thread trailing out. If it were anyone else, it would not have freaked me out terribly, but it's tough when it's your baby that's hurting. She was about nine years old when this happened, and she'll turn 13 in a month. Where does time go? Um, oh, <laughs> and then she complained about autocorrect, but thank you very much, Daisy, for, yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, as a mother as well, my stomach twists a little bit when I think about my daughter walking around with a thread hanging out from her foot. Yuck. Uh, Laura Lou says, I hit the needle up button with my left hand while a finger from my right hand was in between the pressed foot and body of the sewing machine. Ouch, that does sound like that would really hurt. School Quilt says, my poor left index finger has endured a lot and still looks pretty normal. I was about 13 when a machine when I machine sewed right through a finger, right through the center of the nail. The needle broke, but there was enough left that my dad pulled it out with pliers. I managed to sew the same finger again a few months ago on the edge this time. This time the needle stayed intact and I had to raise the needle to free my finger. Remarkably little blood and my fabric was fine. Sometime between these two, I was cutting paper at work with a large paper cutter when the blade came down on my nail, slid to the side, and sliced off the flesh to the right of the nail. That one did involve a lot of blood. No children, not in the room, though, fortunately, and I was dressed. I have a little scar, and the but the finger grew back and looks fine. I tend to juggle the rotary cutter and get a variety of nicks and cuts, but nothing serious yet. Hearing other people's stories, I asked for a glove for Christmas, and sometimes remember to wear it. Sewing over the cat's tail would be the worst. Sherry Kay says, funny you ask this now. I had my first injury in years a couple of weeks ago. Lesson learned, don't watch Amazing Race and cut fabric with a rotary cutter at the same time. I happened to look up at the TV and the blade jumped over the ruler onto my thumb. Nancy, na nasty inch long deep cut, lots of blood, lots of wondering if I should go to the hospital or not. I just can't wear a glove. I need to feel that ruler under my hand to know I have good pressure on it. 
Marianne G. said, I have heard of people who have sewed over their fingers with their domestic sewing machine and thought this was impossible until I did it. I must have been distracted or just too comfortable with what I was doing, but I sewed over the inside of the index finger on my left hand one day. I don't remember exactly what I was sewing, only that it was small and I was using my finger to guide it. The needle went straight through my finger just before the nail. I was amazed that I could get my finger under the presser foot. Now I use a stiletto if I'm doing something small and close, and I have a healthy respect for that fast-moving needle. Um, not sure how to pronounce this. I would, as an American, want to say turgy gold, but I'm sure that's not right. T-E-R-J-E-G-O-L-D says, I must be related to school quilt. While I was in middle school, I was working for a fabric shop, sewing display garments that would later be given back to me as my pay. That was how I acquired most of my own wardrobe. One day, I was rushing to finish a project that was due to the store the following day. I sewed over my fingernail with the needle firmly embedded in the nail, the end sticking out on both sides of my finger. <laughs> God. My daddy was home at the time, and I went to him seeking help. His face went pure white as he rushed to the restroom and threw up. I had to go to a neighbor's to get assistance. To this day, what my family focuses on is the fact that daddy, who was a three-time Vietnam veteran and who drove himself two hours to the ER after slicing off three fingers with a circular saw at our remote mountain cabin could not stand the sight of his poor daughter's blood poor guy <laughs> and with that story i think we'll end all those collections i actually have not had any sewing related injuries i've done a few other nasty things to myself over the years cutting potatoes um etc that kind of thing but never in the sewing room one I, I will say the two tips i think have really helped one i do use a stiletto at the sewing machine I do not wear stilettos at the sewing machine. I use one. There is a difference. And then um, I do also have a retractable braid, blade rotary cutter. So I've never had an open blade um, rotary cutter. So I think those two things do help. So anyway, those are our horrific stories. And I hope I share them with you in hopes that you will learn from other people's blood <laughs> and do not have the same mistakes as well. So that's it for this episode. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.